So this morning, the text that I have for us is Psalm 121. Maybe a familiar psalm to some of you, maybe unfamiliar. Uh, regardless, this is what the Spirit has for us this morning. So I'm going to go ahead and read through the text. Um, you follow along and, and listen as I read through. Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we praise you for so many things this morning. We praise you for new life, for the Isles family. We praise you for healing from many that have been sick the last several weeks. We know that these good gifts come from you and we praise you for that. And Father, now as we look to your word, would you block out anything that would distract us, any cares or concerns that we have, that your spirit would be able to teach us what we need to learn from Psalm 121. And we'll praise you for that. In your precious name I ask, amen. I was seven years old, coming back from school with my brothers, we had one bicycle, it's three brothers. So, why are you laughing? I decided to take the handlebars that day, and it did not end well. Somewhere between the school and the home, it was a short distance. My, my foot got entangled in the front wheel. Um, I was thrown from the bike, but my foot stayed in the spoke of the front wheel and proceeded to rip out a good half dozen or more spokes. Um, and I was left on the ground in so much shock and pain for a seven-year-old boy. For a seven-year-old, that was probably the most pain I'd ever had in my life. I was dazed, I was confused. <laughs> to say the least, I needed help, right? In, in comes my dad, who um, grew up in a house of 12 siblings, <laughs> and was the, the second oldest of about seven boys, so he knows a lot about boys, and he just extricated my, <laughs> my ankle, it was already swelling from the bike tire, put me on his shoulders, and, and walked me home. We had a, a nice visit in the emergency room, nothing broken. I was on crutches for weeks. It was a horrendous beginning to my kindergarten career. I loved it so much, I think I took it twice. I'm much older now. Thank you for not laughing. And I still find myself crying out for help on the journey of life. I often fall spiritually, physically, I need, I need help. 
And I'm hoping some of you can relate to that. The setting for today's psalm, Psalm 121, is also birthed of hardship, danger, oppression. And you're like, I don't know that I saw that explicitly. Tell me more. Psalm 121 is the second of 15 psalms of ascent or songs of ascent, often referred to uh, historically as the pilgrim psalms. And they're, they're named so because these songs were sung as Jewish pilgrims traveled from the outskirts of Israel to Jerusalem at least three times a year to, to celebrate and worship together as Israelites in Jerusalem. And it was a, it was a tough journey physically um, if they were from the outskirts. They had to travel up, upwards um, several thousand feet in elevation to go from the outskirts of Israel up to through the mountains to Jerusalem. They would often travel in caravans as to avoid bandits that would just prey on them, knowing that they were coming to Jerusalem for weeks at a time, and so they're bringing supplies. So these songs were sung on their journey. It was hard, it was dangerous, yet the songs, just like Psalm 21, they would recite them, they would sing them. This reminded the pilgrims of the Lord's great provision and power and prepared them for the worship that they were about to participate in. And today's text shows us that when we need help, simply, like those programs, we should trust in the Lord. I've got an outline. It's, it's pretty brief. Uh, the psalmist makes two declarations as to why he, as a pilgrim, or we, as pilgrims, in a sense, should place our trust in the Lord. First comes The first declaration is found in verses 1 and 2. Simply, it says, the Lord is my help. The Lord is my help. The psalmist's trust is in the Lord because we'll find out that the source of his help is the Lord. The Lord is the source of all help. And secondly, in verses 3 through 8, the psalmist declares, the Lord is your protector. And he trusts in the Lord because the Lord God is his protector, the protector of his people, the protector of his children. And for any grammarians out there, I did not make an error in my outline but there, if you listen to the text or review it now, you'll see a clear change in perspective. Verses 1 and 2 uses the word my, my help. And 3 through 8 uses the wor words you and your. And it's almost as if there's a, a younger person in the faith who is understanding the strong power of God. And he's saying, with God, I can do all things. I trust in my Lord. And a wise follower of God, long in his journey, comes alongside and says, you're right, my son. Let me show you three ways that he is your protector. So we're going to take a look at those two aspects this morning. As we look at our first reason to trust the Lord when we need help, we see that the writer is in trouble. He simply says this in verse 1, I lift up my eyes to the hills. This phrase is used both to reveal hope and fear. Fear from the dangers that might be hidden in the hills. It was common, if you make this long journey, upwards of 90 to maybe 120 miles, depending on where you're traveling from, there, there are hidden dangers along that journey. But there's also hope 
Oftentimes, Israelites would look to the hills as if in hope, knowing that God could come from anywhere at any time and offer them the help that they need. And we know trouble is expected because even though he's looking up to the hills, maybe in fear, maybe in hope, he says, from where does my help come? Trouble is expected. Where will I find help? I see the trouble I'm in, but I look around and I I don't see help. And the response we see in verse 2 is one of confident trust. My help comes from the Lord. The psalmist says, I see the Lord. Whatever, Whatever trouble the writer's fallen into, whatever situation is causing him to seek help, his vision is not blurred. His, his perception is not dulled. His reaction is sharp and to the point. He knows the source of his help. Jehovah, Lord Almighty, my help comes from the Lord. Why does the psalmist, why is he so confident? Well, he knows the powerful nature of the Lord is the source, the origin, the genesis of his help. He says, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He's my powerful help, declares the psalmist. I shouldn't need to explain this any further. We've just listened to Chuck preach on Genesis 1 for many weeks now. But I'm going to because we so easily forget. So let's go to Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. That's our powerful help. The prophet Isaiah pens the Lord's response to a similar cry for help in Isaiah 45 verse 12. The prophet says, I made, or the Lord says to the prophet, I made the earth and created man on it. It was my hands that stretched out the heavens and I commanded all their hosts. The prophet Jeremiah says to the Lord in verse, in Jeremiah 32, 17, Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arms. Nothing is too hard for you. Now, lest you think this is an Old Testament thing, one of the sons of thunder opened his account of the gospel. This is the Apostle John. John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, And without him was not anything made that was made. And of course, the Apostle Paul has to get in on the action. He knew what it was like to live a difficult, dangerous life. And he says this to the Colossians church, the church in Colossae, Colossians 1.16, For by him all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities All things were created 
through him and for him. One commentator summed it up very concisely. He said, the creator of all can defend all. He is my help. He is my powerful help. He created the universe and everything in it. And if you can trust the creator of all things to be your source of help, then you can certainly trust the Lord to be your protector who brings you stability, who brings you safety, who brings you security. And we see those things listed in verses 3 through 8 as this mature follower of the faith describes how God is our protector. The word I'm using protector actually comes from the Hebrew word shamar, which is found six times in these verses. It's just littering verses three through eight. And it can be translated keeper, guardian, defender. I chose protector. The picture that the word describes is a, a thick hedge of thorns being woven around, maybe in a circle or, or a square or a rectangle. Shepherds would do this often, encircling their precious livestock, keeping them inside and keeping a barrier from the danger outside. And as our good shepherd, as we look to the Heavenly Father, when we are in need of help, the text says, he will keep us, he will protect us like this thick hedge of thorn. He'll keep us stable, he'll keep us safe and secure. Verse, verse three says, he will not let your foot be moved. When he says he will not let your foot be moved, he's talking about a stable environment. The journey we are on, as, we've de- as I've been describing, we often have times where we need to cry out for help. And though we, we may physically fall at times, the fall you take is not outside of the protection of the Lord. In the Lord, you have stability, even with the ups and downs that we find on our journey. And the stability comes from a 24-7, never-sleeping God. The Lord who works the day shift and the Lord who works the night shift. I know this because the, verse, the next verse says, the end of verse 3 into verse 4, he who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Unlike you and I who nod off and succumb to sleep deprivation, the Lord does not slumber nor does he sleep. He is always protecting those who trust in him. He promises to keep us stable. Now in verses 5 and 6, we see that the Lord also keeps us safe from harm. Verse 5 says, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. Why is it helpful to be in the shade? Well, it protects us from being exposed. And in in Eastern Palestine back then, being exposed to excessive heat on your pilgrim journey could be lethal. So they knew what it was like to have a need for shade. And note the position of the Lord in this verse. The Lord is your keeper in verse 5. And then it says, the Lord is your shade on your right hand. He is intimately close to you right by your side. The Lord is your shade 
He stands between you and the harm that life can bring on your journey. And this is not a guarantee of of health. This is not a guarantee of riches or success. Note that verse 6 does not say he will keep you cool during the day and illuminate your path at night. But he says he keeps you safe even in the midst of your harmful environments. He promises to keep you safe from harm. And in verses 7 and 8, we find that not only will the Lord keep us stable and safe, but he will keep us secure. It says the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The previous verses, verses 3, 4, 5, and 6, they, they use images to describe the protection that the Lord offers. But these verses, 7 and 8, they just get right to the point. While evil surrounds us, even to the point we may fear for our very souls, our souls might even be on the brink of being compromised from sin against God. The psalmist reminds us that we are anchored to the Lord. And while the the previous verses again use this physical imagery to remind us of the Lord's sovereign care over our physical lives along this journey, these these verses point out the Lord's protection from evil, something that is not always presented in a physical way. And what we find is that the Lord does not allow evil to take over or consume our life, nor does he allow evil to remove us from his presence. We are kept secure. The personal presence of the Lord, as seen in verses 3 through 6, continues in verses 8 when he says, the Lord will keep your going out and you're coming in from this time forth and forevermore. You're going out and you're coming in is a Hebrew idiom referring to the day-to-day circumstances of life. Meaning the Lord will keep you secure each and every day. It's, it's the worker that is leaving his home to go out and, and work in the fields and then at the end of the day is coming back to his home. It's the traveler, the pilgrim that is leaving their home to go on this journey to Jerusalem. And then at the end of the festival and the worship time, they're going back to their home. They're returning home. And yet the Lord remains faithful to his promise for security each and every day of that individual's journey. And furthermore, he continues that security throughout all eternity. The end of verse 8 says, from this time forth and forevermore. So we see that it's not just the day-to-day parts of our journey that we're being held secure in God's hand. It's from the day we put our faith in him, throughout all eternity, he has promised to keep us secure. Now I've run through these, uh, kind of these two points in describing that the Lord is our help, that he is our protector. And this song of ascent has taught us to trust in the Lord because he's the only source for our help. And it's taught us to trust in the Lord because he's our protector. And the implications for a psalm like this is, is, is just vast for our lives. So I've taken the time to list out 54 ways that we can apply this text to our lives. Again, why are you laughing? 
because I'm joking. Okay, you caught me. I've got three, okay? There's three implications that I want to pull from this text. There could be more. Uh, for those of you that are involved in community groups, um, I hope you have an enjoyable time um, talking about the other 51 things that uh, we could find from this text. The first implication is you should really have a relationship with the Lord. Do you? The, the psalmist clearly does. He says, my help comes from the Lord. Our biggest problem that we have, that we need to have help from, is sin. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's why it's our biggest problem, because sin separates us from that relationship that the psalmist is talking about. But Jesus Christ paid the wage. He paid the price. He paid the penalty for our sin when he obediently died on the cross. Romans 8, 9 says, your relationship with the Lord starts when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You should really have a relationship with the Lord. If you don't, the, the key to a relationship with the Lord is believing that sin is your biggest problem, recognizing that God sent his son to solve that biggest problem. He died an actual death on the cross. He was buried, didn't stay buried, rose again on the third day to have victory over sin and death. You today can have faith in that and begin your relationship with the Lord. Second, I want to read Colossians 4.2, my second application or implication from this text. Colossians 4.2 says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. First, you should have a relationship with the Lord, but second, you should pray. When you need help, you should pray. When you have been helped, you should pray. That's what Colossians 4.2 says. Have you cried out to God lately? Just like we see in verse 1, where does my help come from? When was the last time you called out to the Lord for help on a specific situation, time of difficulty, issue that you're dealing with? It's implied in the text that we're aware of the dangers that we need to face. So we should pray if we are on unstable ground. We should pray when the sun is beating down on us and we need shade. We should pray when we're surrounded by evil. And when you recognize that the Lord has been protecting you the entire time, you should pray a prayer of thanksgiving. That's what Colossians tells us. The third implication I have is um, I'm getting, uh, I want to read Psalm 20 verse 7 to kind of help us get our minds there. Psalm 27 says, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. You should trust the Lord to protect you. Don't trust anything else. In Psalm 20, the psalmist is saying, there's people that would rather put their trust in the things that they think are strong, like chariots and horses. Now, I've never seen a whole host of chariots and horses, but the scripture tells us the Israelites did. There was millions of them, 
And when they heard the, the Egyptians' chariots and horses coming, they were in fear. So I feel like chariots and horses are pretty strong. And the psalmist is saying, don't trust in chariots and horses. Trust in the Lord our God. Don't let anything distract you from the Lord who promises to keep you stable, safe, and secure. There's no plan you can come up with that will protect you. There's no amount of money that can buy the protection that the Lord will give you. There's no healthy lifestyle that you can live that will extend the journey that God has for you. Trust in the Lord. Nothing else. He promises to help you in any and all circumstances. He promises to keep you stable, safe, and secure. And with that, let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, a needy people. Help us to remember to cry out to you for help. Help us to remember that our protection comes from you. Cause us not to forget today and throughout this week that you are the source of our help. Protect us even when we don't see the danger. And Father, when we get to that point in our life, when we recognize that we have seen your good hand of protection, help us to offer thankful praise to you. And we'll ask your spirit to guide us in this and the Father to give us strength to do this. And we pray these things in your son's name. Amen.